You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're a 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Got a lot of good content coming your way this offseason twice a week. Please download the Odyssey app to check more of that out. Download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We're going to have some discussion, as we tend to do, about the quarterbacks because... <laughs> I would say a pretty prominent name in football uh, put Sam Darnold into a certain conversation. We're also going to talk about the the running back, Christian McCaffrey, who's actually stayed out of a lot of conversations this offseason, Mark. And then uh, something that you're going to bring to the forefront, which I'm interested to hear about, how the 49ers schedule isn't really as favorable as maybe some are, are kind of uh, making it out to be. But before we get into that, Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings, as always, Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to dig into some of the numbers uh, about the schedule. So we'll get to that later. Uh, hint, as, as you said, not as favorable. Um, the Niners uh, are going to be at a disadvantage a number of weeks, big time. So we'll talk about that. I'm really excited about that. But as you mentioned, we got to take care of some business first. And the way you do that is by talking about the stars and the quarterback position. Uh, so we'll get that out of the way first. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. No complaints. Happy to have some some juicy news always, of course, surrounding the 49ers. Uh, and now we get to, I think, flash a little bit of our creativity because there's not going to be the big story every single week, even when it comes to you know rookie minicamps, OTAs, upcoming events that the 49ers are involved in where there's actually football. Um, there may not always be you know a hot topic to kind of press. So we're going to try and get creative here on, on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to that. But what we do have to talk about is Lewis Riddick of ESPN. And I actually think he's a pretty bright football mind, Mark. I don't know about you, but I think he does a great job on Monday Night Football or has, uh, of course, his feature on a lot of NFL programming on ESPN. But he was on the Rich Eisen show and was discussing the 49ers quarterback situation and allegedly had a conversation with someone you know, that, that he trusts, um, that knows the 49ers well. And essentially said that because the 49ers don't know what they're going to get from Brock Purdy, um, you know, Trey Lance might be in the mix, but quote, they believe that Sam Darnold in that match with Kyle Shanahan and out there in San Francisco could finally be the spot that totally makes him become the out of nowhere surprise of the year. So uh, book it, Mark, 
NFL comeback player of the year, Sam Darnold. Check. <laughs> comeback player. I feel like I've, I've just been immediately rewound to the conversation <laughs> we had about Geno Smith. What yeah. the hell did Sam Darnold come back from? Mediocrity? Terrible teams? Like, is, is that where this conversation yeah. is going? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I my first thought when I hear something like this, first of all, I agree with you. I really respect Lewis Riddick, and uh, I think his opinion holds a lot of weight. Now, this isn't really one of his opinions. I guess the the opinion that matters from him in this is that he trusts whoever it was that told him, but this is someone else's opinion that they're just passing along to Lewis Riddick that he's now passing along to the masses. Um I am not so sure, Evan, if this is the person that Lewis Riddick is talking to. Again, someone who he thinks is plugged in and knows what he's talking about within the 49ers. I am not so sure that this is about Sam Darnold as much as it is something we've talked about a lot, just about the 49ers roster and and about the opportunity that any quarterback has with this roster. Um, obviously Sam Darnold to have success is going to have to at least be a decent quarterback if, and when he gets out there, it's something that Kyle Shanahan talked about. I think it was last week, maybe 10 days ago now, a week and a half ago at that, that Dwight Clark legacy event, uh, that we've heard a lot about where he said, you know, Sam Darnold is one of the few people on this earth who have the elite arm talent that allow you to make it in the NFL. And that's not saying that he has one of the most incredible arms of all of the players in the NFL. It just means he's not like us normal folk. He has an incredible arm, and that allowed him to have great success at USC, be a real high draft pick, and you know live out a career in the NFL, even if it's not a great one. That's all that Kyle Shanahan was saying there. So I don't know. These comments to me, Evan, seem to mean more about the situation the 49ers are in. Therefore, the situation that these quarterbacks are in, perhaps more so than any singular quarterback's individual talent. I'm with you. I think it is a glowing proclamation about Kyle Shanahan. The fact that a guy who, although he's played 50 plus games in the NFL, started the majority of them as a top pick has not had much success, could all of a sudden go to his third team yeah. and potentially become the, quote, out-of-nowhere surprise of the year. That's all about Kyle Shanahan. And you're right, Lewis Riddick is discussing something that somebody told him. It's not necessarily an opinion. Um, but, you know, kind of what I, I take away from this, and I, I do wonder, it was only a year ago, so prior to the 2022 season, when there were serious conversations about if Kyle Shanahan could win with a, with a quarterback, not named Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> and understandably he took the last pick of the draft and won a bunch of games, obviously won with Jimmy and Trey, unfortunately didn't get a, get a shot, but I, it, it's just interesting to me how we're kind of quick to immediately move on. And this is not to, to reframe Jimmy Garoppolo by any means, but Essentially, what you're saying is that each quarterback on this roster can be as effective, as efficient as Jimmy Garoppolo, because I believe Brock Purdy can be, and then some. Uh, I still have question marks about Trey Lance, but I've seen a lot of Sam Darnold, and not to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is <laughs> a, a, an all-world quarterback, uh, 
but Sam Darnold wasn't even as good statistically as Jimmy G in his few opportunities. If you want to say it's situation-based, I'll hear you. Um, and I don't want to make this like a, a glow, you know, a, a, a just sitting here and just stroke Jimmy G, but um, he, he played at a certain level that was required of him to win games. And I just think we're assuming that that's just going to happen this year. I understand that. I also think part of that, and it's something we touched on a little bit last week, is the Brock Purdy effect, how a rookie goes in there and has all this success. I think the automatic conclusion that our brains logically draw is if that guy can do it, anyone can do it. Um, So I I think there's just a lot of people out there, and I don't want to say lazy. I think that's the wrong word, but I I think you have to kind of fight back that instinct a little bit because it is a natural instinct. You see someone who, okay, had some success at the collegiate level, but wasn't even a star really in college. I mean, I know you lived in the Midwest a little bit for, for some time. I lived in the Midwest as well. I actually lived in Iowa for a little bit while Brock Purdy was at Iowa State. He was a big name in the state of Iowa, but you go outside of that, you go outside of Big 12 country, and there's almost no one aside from the real big college football fans who had ever heard of Brock Purdy's name before. So you see a guy like that come in as a rookie and have that level of success. You see him win multiple playoff games. You see him win a Thursday night game in Seattle. Uh, You see him beat the greatest quarterback of all time in his first start. Um, And suddenly you think, okay, like, if this guy can do it, what can a guy who was drafted way higher, who's been in the league longer, who probably has a stronger arm, can throw the ball further down the field, what can he possibly do? I think that's the natural response, Evan. And I can kind of understand it because, again, of all the weapons that the 49ers have. But I think we just have to kind of fight back against that instinct just a little bit because that's not that simple. And if you are having, if you're coming to that conclusion, um, it's frankly quite disrespectful to Brock Purdy because you're just writing off everything that he accomplished and saying any run-of-the-mill guy can do the same thing. Well, that's why it's kind of the Orlovsky thing that he was talking about with Sam Darnold. I think it was last week and why I pointed out that it might be what you just said, disrespectful to Brock Purdy. I don't think Brock is a athletic freak, but we saw him do things that other quarterbacks in this system couldn't. He had all of the weapons, and we're going to talk about probably the biggest one, the running back coming up in just a little bit. But I, I just it, it it seems to me, Mark, that the 49ers are continuing to to spiral. And I hate to bring his name up, but in, in a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque fashion, because unless Brock Purdy is healthy and helps this team get past where they were the last two years, I think we're going to start to see that conversation be reframed around, well, you know, Kyle Shanahan can do it with anybody, but he can't win the big one with anybody. And so that's why I, I just wonder what the ultimate optimism is surrounding Sam Darnold, because I think he's a great third quarterback, I think he might be a solid backup quarterback. But if he's your starting quarterback, from what I've seen so far in the NFL, that means you have a ceiling. And while the rest of that roster might mean that your ceiling is an NFC championship game, I have very, I have a very difficult time seeing you as a Super Bowl contender, a legitimate one that could run the table 
and beat the best in the AFC as well as perhaps some of the top teams in the NFC because eventually I see I, I just I see the same thing beginning to happen where at the end of the year we're going to look at this team and say they are great about you know from positions two through twenty two in the starting lineup but that number one spot that quarterback spot is what's holding them back and I just feel like Sam Darnold is destined for that if he is in fact name the starter and Brock Purdy can't go this year. Yeah. And that's the reason right there. The argument you just laid out or your thought process is the reason that the 49ers moved heaven and earth to draft Trey Lance to move up in the draft and take a quarterback because they had Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously a reason as well was injury. At least that's the reason that Kyle Shanahan stated publicly But you and I know, Niner fans know, also a big reason, probably the biggest reason was, well, we're not so sure that Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to win the big games consistently in January and February. Um, And that's why they they did that. And now, you know, a few years removed from it, a couple years removed from it, you're still not sure who you have in Trey Lance. So the 49ers are still going through that process of trying to find that guy. Um, they hope Brock Purdy is it. Maybe they, you know, lightning struck and whatever, and, and they have that guy now. But in the meantime, they're going to keep searching until they find that guy. I'm with you. I don't think Sam Darnold is that guy. I would be absolutely shocked. But the 49ers are still in that process of trying to find that guy. So I don't blame them for going out and, and trying to keep searching. But I'm with you. I mean, I don't think it's Sam Darnold. It's it's most likely if the guy is on the roster, it is Brock Purdy because he's had the most success already at this level. Um, But for people to continue to suggest, and I, you know, they're not really suggesting this in as many words, um, but for them to suggest that Sam Darnold might be the, the 49ers quarterback of the future, the guy that can finally lead them to their sixth Lombardi. It's just pretty far fetched for me. Well, and also if he, if he does do that, uh, he, he won't be on the team for very long because they won't be able to afford him. So like yeah. this is, you know, a, a short-term contract that is mutually beneficial because if he plays, he boosts his value. If he doesn't play, he might also boost his value. Either way, the 49ers have a semi-established quarterback in the league that they can depend on if they need to go to. And one other thing really quickly before we shift gears, um, you mentioned Orlovsky, his comments about Sam Darnold. These ones from Lewis Riddick. You remember when Matt Mayoko a couple of weeks ago said he might be the most talented thrower of the football in 49ers history. Um, all of those together, there's others that I'm not mentioning. If Sam Darnold plays well and is successful, uh, I'm sorry, Lewis Riddick, but it's not going to be an out-of-nowhere surprise considering everyone has talked this dude up all offseason. So if he has success... You know, it, it might be a good story and it, it it might be fun, but it's not coming out of nowhere because there's been an awful lot of talk about this guy this offseason. An awful lot. No, I, I think that <laughs> like he may not be out of nowhere, but I, I will be surprised. I, I'll, I'll yeah. say that right now. If Sam Darnold is a starter day one, I'll be surprised. And if he plays well and helps this team to a lot of wins, I will be doubly surprised. So that's where I could see him being the out of nowhere. I think he, of course, it's on the Rich Eisen show. He's speaking to a national audience, which is like, who the hell is Sam Darnold? And why is he being <laughs> talking about the starting quarterback in San Francisco? Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, I'd be I'd be surprised as well. It's just, I mean, you and I, obviously, and, and all of our listeners and everyone yeah. out here are very plugged in to every single word that everyone says about the San Francisco 49ers. 
So we've heard all of this stuff, but you're right. I mean, most people out there probably are like, Sam Darnold's on the 49ers? Who? Like, I don't even know that. I thought he was still a Panthers quarterback. Or I was a still Jets a USC. Quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for <Yes>. real. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I'd be surprised if he has success uh, for more than just a game or two on the 49ers, if, if that even happens at all. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. Please download the Odyssey app, download the podcast, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. That is Mark Grandy. I am Evan Giddings coming at you twice a week here in the offseason each and every week. So the next thing I, I wanted to discuss, Mark, is Christian McCaffrey because, like, we, well, we finally got a quote out of the guy, and, and he kind of flies under the radar. Uh, I've seen him at some Warriors games, but for the most part, since he's been in San Francisco, he has enjoyed his time and said as much at the Dwight Clark uh, event series saying that I firmly believe that this is the best thing that's ever happened to me as far as his football career is concerned. Um, I don't doubt that. I mean, he was, he was drafted to a, a franchise that at the time had Cam Newton, but he was kind of down and on his way out and was asked to be the guy to basically shoulder an entire offensive load. And now he can continue to be just as efficient as he previously was, but he has so much more help around him. He has so much more schematic aid from the coaching staff. And of course he has the buy-in from the front office that was willing to spend big draft capital to go out and bring him here, a place he's very familiar with being at Stanford. And it feels like he's right at home. So the question that that I wanted to pose to, to people, because I, I do want to dig into this a little more is, can CMC run like he did last year in 2022 again? Um, I think he can be as uh, explosive and as efficient. I'm not sure we see the volume uh, for Christian McCaffrey as much this coming season. And that's nothing against him. Uh, you just remember when he was acquired, the 49ers, weren't playing poorly, but they were kind of in a middle ground where you needed to make a run. And of course, we all know they made a run. I mean, the 49ers did not lose uh, with Christian McCaffrey as their starter. His first game was against the Chiefs. Um, and then, you know, he, he came off the bench and that game didn't start and didn't play a ton of snaps. The next game was on the road against the Rams. He had the trifecta of touchdowns, throwing, receiving, and rushing. The rest is history. They didn't lose in the rest of the regular season. Uh, they won their first two playoff games before, of course, the disaster in the NFC title game. So I say all that just to say that the 49ers needed him, and they leaned on him heavily, especially very early in his tenure. Once they won you know, six, seven straight games, they clinched the NFC West, they could kind of take their foot off the pedal a, a little bit, Evan, and ease him uh, into, you know, being healthy and ready for the postseason. But they were still trying to chase a high seed. I mean, it was the conversation all year long. Would they catch Minnesota? The conversation you and I spent a lot of time about last season. Uh, you know, the, the Jalen Hurts injury kept the one seed as a possibility for the 49ers until the very end of the regular season. So I, I think... Christian McCaffrey, there's no reason to believe, and I know his injury history is a little scary, but for me, there's no reason to believe that he cannot be as efficient as he was in 2022 this coming year and as explosive. I just don't see, don't think we will see uh, the same high quantity of touches and therefore total yards. I mean, what, in 10 games, 11 games, he had over 1,200 yards from scrimmage? I mean, 
That is an incredible number, and it's certainly up to par with what he's done when he's been healthy in his career. But I think Kyle Shanahan and company will ease back on the the number of touches for McCaffrey. At least that's ideal if they have health elsewhere on offense, and if they can't afford to do that, I think they will. So that's my only thing with McCaffrey. I don't think we will see the same volume, um, but we'll see the same efficiency. I'm sort of with you. I'm a little more hesitant than you are uh, just because I think they're going to need him a lot, especially at the beginning of this year, if they don't know who their quarterback is or if they have a non-Brock Purdy-led offense. And even with Brock Purdy, he leaned on number 23 a whole hell of a lot. That's a big reason they won a ton of games. But why I would temper expectations about McCaffrey putting up another 1,900 scrimmage yard season even though he's obviously capable of doing that and has done more than that in his time in Carolina, is Christian McCaffrey is about to be 27 years old. And that is about the time we see running backs begin to decline. And if you want to take a look at something outside of age, well, then touches, Mark, is is where you would go. Hmm. He touched the ball, including the playoffs, almost 400 times this year, last year, I should say. That is the second most in his career. If you look at the guys from his draft class from 2017 beyond, Ezekiel Elliott is at the top. He has obviously begun to fade. He did before last year. Derrick Henry is superhuman. He's 6'5", 260, and even he has shown signs of decline this past season. Alvin Kamara's kind of a different issue, but he dropped off when Drew Brees left. Dalvin Cook is really the only guy that has played the same amount, roughly amount of games, and gotten a similar amount of touches as Christian McCaffrey. But even he looked a little less explosive last season than in prior years. All I'm saying is Christian McCaffrey has touched the ball 1,500 times in his career. And this is about the time we see running backs begin to decline. And it's why I think to your point about the efficiency, or I should say the total touches, the 49ers are well aware of that. And will try and manage the load of his, you know, his touches, his attempts. But to me, he's so integral to what they do offensively that I wonder if they're afforded that luxury because they need him to do that. And when your quarterback is questionable at the beginning of the year, you are going to need 23 to touch the ball potentially 20 times a game. I don't think he can do that for another 17 game season, assuming. You want to keep him healthy because even though he played the full year, he looked great, including down the stretch all the way through the playoffs. As you kind of alluded to, Mark, he played 10 games the prior two seasons because of injuries. I am assuming he won't get hurt, but I don't see him being the same running back as last year just because of all the factors that align the age, the touches. I would just you know push people in the direction of don't expect the same 23 in 2023, as we saw in 2022. That's fair. I'm, I'm glad you brought up touches because I was immediately going to fire back when you talked about his age saying, well, you know, he played 10 games over a two-year stretch. Like, he is not as old as his age might suggest because he had really a couple of off years where he wasn't, you know, banging in between tackles. But of course, as as you put, and you very, very smartly put it, well, even in the years when he, he was playing, he was getting way more touches than anyone else. So it's it's really like he's played full seasons every year and he just has a, an average number of touches for the 
the running backs, starting running backs across the league. So that that's a good point as well. But I, I do think there's something to, and I know you want to you want to jump in here. I do think there's also something to say. He hasn't had the load on him specifically over the last three seasons. And I know off seasons help and, and you can kind of bounce back from a tough season just via one off season. But I do think you consider the last three years of his career, only one has been a full season. I think that makes your body feel a little bit healthier, feel a little bit better and, and make you feel a little bit more ready for a potential heavy load, even if you already have a ton of carries on you in your career as a whole. No, I was just going to add, Mark, that like, so Ezekiel Elliott, we can all identify as a guy who is his best days are behind him and they might have been behind him a couple of years ago. So it's not exactly the same. But if Christian McCaffrey gets the same amount of touches he did last year, which includes the postseason, he is going to be at the same amount of touches that Ezekiel Elliott is currently at. And I, I just have a hard time believing that that won't take a toll. Now, maybe Christian McCaffrey is superhuman and I I think he's probably pretty close, but you look at the, the amount of running backs throughout history that have received the workload that he has in non-injury seasons. And this is about the time they start to decline a little bit. But I think that's also why to your point on our last episode, why the 49ers feel like this has to be the year in a way, this has to be the year that they go in. And I think Christian McCaffrey, I'd, I, I'm very curious to see how he is load managed throughout this season in game because they'll need him at the end, but I think they'll also need him throughout the 17 game regular season. I, th I think that's where this becomes an important conversation. What you brought up about Ezekiel Elliott, um, you're hundred percent right that he has fallen off a cliff. I think a big reason is because Dallas has mismanaged him and they just endlessly, endlessly, endlessly fed him the ball. And you can understand why he was a fantastic running back for the, what the first six years of his seven years of his career out of college, out of Ohio state, he was incredible and they gave him every possible touch. But even over the last couple of years, when they had a really dynamic backup in Tony Pollard, they still refuse to cut back on his touches and look what has happened as a result. So I think something that you already mentioned, the 49ers have the foresight and the forethought to know this. And I think they are very, very aware that they need to be careful with Christian McCaffrey's workload. And while you do, of course, want to give him the ball almost every single play, you have to fight back against that instinct because you do not want to lose such a dynamic player, you know, of course, for a season, for a stretch of games, but you also don't want to, um, I don't know, further hurt or injure your star for future seasons. It, you want to conserve him and make him as good as he can be for a long time. And I am confident that the 49ers will not make the mistake, at least to the same extent that the Dallas Cowboys did. Now, maybe, as, as what you're saying, they need him early in the year. If Sam Darnold is starting games, if Trey Lance is starting games, whatever the situation is. But I do think, as a whole, this season, the 49ers are aware of that and will not run him into the ground, potentially injuring him this year or maybe shortening his career in the future. Well, I certainly hope so, because he's dynamic. He's really, really fun to watch, and obviously he's a big part of this 49ers franchise.
This is the 415ers podcast coming to you on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download, rate, subscribe on the Odyssey app. Also, of course, check us out wherever you get your podcasts from. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Okay, Mark, well, the, the last part of this, and we've kind of, you know, kind of gone through the schedule a little bit slowly, but it seems like each and every week there's a new factoid or a new piece of data that that arises that makes us look at it a little bit differently. And honestly, uh, the bold prediction I gave a couple weeks ago about the 49ers wrapping this thing up by about, a, I think it was two-thirds of the way through the season, uh, I, I would like to rescind that politely. And uh, I'll hand you the floor <laughs> as to why that might be the case. Uh, yeah, so I was just scrolling Twitter uh, late last night, and one of my favorite football follows, Warren Sharp. Uh, if you do not follow him, you can check him out on Twitter at Sharp Football. Uh, you can also uh, check out his website full of really, really great analysis and thoughts, uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Um, talking about the NFL schedule and breaking it down in every conceivable angle in every possible way. Um, and he came to the conclusion that the 49ers uh, are hurt really like no other team this year in terms of rest edge. The 49ers have the biggest rest disadvantage in the NFL this year. Um, the 49ers, and I'll, I'll try my best to, to explain this, the 49ers schedule features an NFL worst negative 20-day net rest edge. You might ask yourself, okay, how does that work? Well, let's say, for example, the 49ers in week six, they're playing the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are off of a bye week. The 49ers are playing in week five. So that means the 49ers played on Sunday while the Browns played the previous Sunday, and then they will both play the following Sunday. That is a negative seven-day rest edge for the 49ers or a seven day rest disadvantage for the 49ers. It comes very similar with the Cincinnati Bengals in week eight. The 49ers in fact, play on Monday night football in week seven. Then they play on Sunday against Cincinnati in week eight. So they have one less day than normal to prepare, but also guess what? Cincinnati is off a of bye week. So that's an eight day disadvantage for the 49ers. Similar story. Uh, week 15, Arizona is off a bye. Uh, week 14, Seattle is coming off of a Thursday night game. The 49ers are not, so Seattle off of a mini bye. That's a you know a three day rest disadvantage. I could keep going on and give you all of the numbers, but the takeaway here, Evan, is as a whole this season, the 49ers have 20 fewer rest days or days to prepare for games, days between games than their opponents every single week. And that is really tough, and it is really difficult. And you consider where they come in, at parts of the schedule, who they come against, a really tough game against Cincinnati, a late-season division matchup against Seattle, your division rival, the team that you expect to be fighting with atop your division. Those are really tough situations for the 49ers. It's not something they can't overcome, but it's just unfortunate the schedule was so lopsided against the 49ers in this regard. I, I guess my next question would be, do you think that the rest of the top teams in the NFL, or at least that, that finished kind of in the final four, are also facing similar rest disadvantages? Obviously not at the same level as the 49ers, um, 
But I, I do wonder if, you know, Warren Sharp has also looked at, say, the Philadelphia Eagles and what they're facing. Yeah, so he has broken it down for every single team. And you look at the numbers, he broke it down in a, in a couple of different ways. Total rest days, you know, disadvantage or advantage or whatever. But also how many times you are playing a game with a disadvantage. Like, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs, have six games with which they are at the rest disadvantage. The 49ers only have five, uh, but, you know, net Kansas City, negative 13-day net rest edge, 13-day rest disadvantage. The 49ers rest disadvantage game just happened to be, you know, greater. Each individual game is worth more days than Kansas City's. But looking at the numbers, Generally, it seems like the better teams are at more of a disadvantage. Uh, just, again, looking at pure net rest edge from Warren Sharp. 49ers are last, negative 20. Kansas City's at the very bottom, negative 13. You asked about Philadelphia. They're in the bottom third at negative six days. They're tied with the Chargers. Uh, just one spot ahead of the New York Giants, who, of course, were a playoff team as well. Um, so it's not like all of the 49ers... I don't know, main competitors in the NFC are on the opposite side of this chart. Uh, but San Francisco is indeed at the very bottom, which is unfortunate. Uh, the 49ers were, they benefited from this. They had a very slight rest edge across their entire season last year. Uh, but the table has turned there at the, the very bottom of this list. But yeah, I mean, that does affect the way that I look at their schedule and the way that I look at, a lot of these games, I know it's, you know, six months out, but when you're trying to handicap these things, um, it it does look like the 49ers in that 11 and a half win total might be more towards what, what you said, Mark, which is barely under uh, as opposed to potentially over. So now we can confirm it. We, we can definitively say the NFL did screw the 49ers <laughs> with their schedule this year. Yeah, that's what we were looking for. I just wanted you to get that out there. Um, one... Other thing, I or actually a couple other things. Um, the 49ers buy as well, and this is something I noticed when looking at the schedule, but I, I didn't bring it up when we first broke it down. The 49ers week nine buy, uh, as Warren Sharp puts it, is negated because Jacksonville is also off a of buy. So you're you're off a of buy, you're you're feeling better about yourselves as well, but you don't have that big advantage right out of the buy because the team you're playing is also coming out of the buy. Now, I think that's fair. You have a buy, you should play the team that's that's coming off of a buy, but considering the 49ers uh three other times play teams off of buys when they're not off buys themselves. That is a little bit unfortunate. But there are two games in which the 49ers have the rest advantage against their opponents. Um and one of them at least is a really big game. It's week 13 against Philadelphia. Uh, because the 49ers are coming off of a Thursday night game against Seattle. They have that mini buy, and then they take on Philadelphia, who played on Sunday. So the 49ers have a three-day rest edge against Philadelphia in that game. I guess if you had to pick one where you had the rest advantage over your opponent, it might be that game. So at least the 49ers have that going for them. Uh, but still, all in all, when you just look at days to prep for games, it does feel like the 49ers drew the short end of the stick. Yeah, especially those those three bye weeks. I mean, that's probably the reason, even though you're seeing the Chiefs with 
and, and you know, potentially the Chargers, the Eagles with four or five games at a rest disadvantage. It's not that lopsided compared yeah. to the 49ers where you're you're giving up essentially six days, seven days of rest. Yeah, like like for example, Philadelphia has five games where they're at the rest disadvantage. Same number of games as the 49ers, mm-hmm. but three of those are just because they played on Monday night the previous week. So though each of those three games is only one day of disadvantage each time. So in their five games or they're at a disadvantage, it totals negative uh, nine days. But in the five games where the 49ers are at a disadvantage, that totals to negative 26 in just those five games. Now you you take back the two days, the two games where they have advantages, it, it, it gets back down to negative 20 as a whole. But you're right. There are teams that has have an even amount or even more days uh, more games, number of games where they are at a disadvantage, but the 49ers are just so extreme each and every time they're at that disadvantage that that it, it pushes their number up over the top, unfortunately. But it's just something that, I mean, you can't control the schedule, so we'll see how it does impact them. But something to keep an eye on because something that Kyle Shanahan says every year, coming off of a bye, coming off of a Thursday night game where they have an extra day off, it's just so nice in the middle of a grueling season to have some extra days off. Um, and it's few and far between between where the 49ers have that this year. Well, my next question would be, how come, Shanahan, you're one and four coming off of buys then? <laughs> nah, man, that's a good point. I don't know. Figure maybe it out. Maybe just got the fat cat syndrome. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> three teams this year could potentially run into that against the 49ers. Maybe. We'll see. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the 415ers podcast. As always, coming to you on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll be coming at you next week. Come at you twice a week here in the offseason every single week. Please download, rate, subscribe on the Odyssey app. Also, wherever you get your podcast from. We'll talk to you next time. Enjoy your weekend.